In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, one God, Amen. In order for me to stay on task and not wander off, I'm just going to read what I prepared so we don't take too much time. An angel deceived humanity in the beginning of time and caused their fall. So it was so God's will to allow another angel to play a role in the plan of salvation for mankind. God involved the archangel Gabriel who was entrusted to deliver the message of joy. By doing so, God's intention was to reconcile the community of angels back with the community of the humans. And God's good intent was to remove any enmity or animosity that might have been built up between the humans and the angels because of this event. For he says in Psalm 123, What is greater or more precious in the sight of God than seeing brethren living together in unity? It is a facetious question. Obviously, nothing is greater in the sight of God than seeing brethren dwelling together in unity. So, the Lord wanted to reconcile the human with the angel uh, once again. The fall of man came by the fallen angel through a woman when he invited her to disobey God, seeking self-glory, saying to her, and you shall be like God, a desire he originally harbored in his intention. Today, on the other hand, the life of salvation was announced when a different angel of higher righteous caliber approached another woman and invited her to obey God, who seeking humility responded, Behold, the handmaiden of the Lord, let it be to me according to your word. The first woman was enticed by a message of pride and arrogance. And your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. The second woman was invited by a message of humility. She was troubled, she says, it says in the Bible, in today's gospel, that she was troubled at his saying. The father said that because she was accustomed to angelic manifestations and apparitions, she was not troubled because of the angel appearing to her, but she was troubled at the saying. And troubled here is a word maybe, maybe she was at unrest or concern. She had little concern about what kind of message is this that is coming to me this time, not so much about the angel. God sent an angel to proclaim the greatest message delivered to humanity. Greater than the message to Abraham, foretelling him of the birth of Isaac. Or greater than the message of successful battle revealed to David the prophet that you will succeed in this battle. This message today surpasses all of the Old Testament prophecies spoken by the prophets. Because the whole of the messages of the coming of salvation culminates in this one message today of glad tidings. Today, born, you, will, you will bear a child and he will be the son of God. Maybe an equal message could be the message of Christ's uh, resurrection when an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and rolled the stone back and his countenance was lightning and his clothing was white as snow and he said, why do you seek the dead among the living? He is risen. This is probably just as equal of a message. But there is no message greater than this. Because of our relationship with the angels, let's see what the scriptures tell us about angels. The number of angels are innumerable. In the liturgy, says, uh, speaks about Daniel's vision of heaven and is quoting, saying, Thousands of thousands ministered unto you. Myriads of myriads stood before him. This parallels St. John's vision in Revelation 5 when he says, 
Then I looked and I heard the voice of many angels around the throne. And the number of them was 10,000 times 10,000. And thousands of thousands praising with a loud voice, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain. They are innumerable. As countless as the stars of heaven, the angels are stratified, however, in diverse ranks and diverse functions. They are angels of the, there are angels of the highest ranks, and those are the ranks of the seraphim, followed by the cherubim. Then there are angels called the archangels, and then principalities, the authorities, the angels of the thrones, the angels of dominions, and some are called just the angels of powers. Each of them representing a glimpse of God's divine attributes. The angels of the, that are called the authorities reflect God's divine authoritativeness. The angels that are called the dominions reflect God's divine full control or domination. And the ranks called powers reflect God's omnipotence and his unmatchable ability. In today's gospel message, it was said that St. Mary and the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the highest will overshadow you. The power of the highest here suggests God's angels calls the powers, called the powers. In the book of Ezekiel, the cherubim are described as with four faces and full of eyes. Although all the ranks of angels praise God, praise uh, is in the seraphim's sole function. And prayers, um, the full of eyes, just to say this, is that they are, um, they are very wise and that they, they know things. They have um, um, omniscience. I don't know where that went. They have omniscience. So they are able to see things, not as an omniscient. They don't know everything like God does, but they have omniscience. That is, they have eyes everywhere. They can see everything. And the, the highest ranks are the ranks of the seraphim, and their function is to praise God. Prayers of praise, unlike prayers of request, prayers of thanksgiving, are fully meditative on God's divine, awesome holiness. Like for us, it's given to us that we pray in the Lord's Prayer, Hallowed be thy name. This prayer is void of any requests. It's void of any thanksgiving. It's just a prayer of praise. The heavenly scene of the seraphim in Isaiah's vision, chapter 6, is described like this. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting on a throne high and lifted up and the train of his robe filled the temple. And it stood seraphim. Each had six wings. With two, he covered his face out of reverence and loyalty. And with two, he covered, uh, and with two, he covered his feet. Seraphim don't have feet. But it's a sign of discreetness or modesty. Uh, and with two, he flew. Again, Angels don't need wings to fly. They are beings of light. But he appeared as if he has wings. And they were crying one to another antiphonally, just like how the deacons are. They stand on one side and another, and they respond to each other, and they were saying in a loud voice, Holy, holy, holy. Three holies. Holy God the Father, holy God the Son, and holy God the Holy Spirit the God, uh, is the Trinity, is the Lord of hosts who is who the whole earth is full of glory. No matter the task or the rank, the angels are all known for their great beauty and their purity. It was said in the book of Ezekiel of one of the cherubim before his fall, 
You were the seal of perfection, full of wisdom and perfect beauty, describing the cherub called Lucifer, now known as Satan, until iniquity, which was disobedience and pride, was found in him. Unlike this fallen angel and those who followed him, the rank of angels are otherwise all distinguished by an unmatchable perfect obedience. It is an obedience that is ex uh, executed by perfect precision, without hesitancy or reluctance, without question or doubt. They don't just obey, but they obey immediately. This type of obedience is what is meant in the Lord's Prayer when we say, Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven, meaning that we pray that we may take the angels as examples of immediate, immediate obedience in doing his will here on earth as his will happens in heaven. But their obedience is not just accomplished immediately, but it's accomplished instantly. This they can accomplish because angels are invisible beings of light, and they are able to traverse immense amounts of distances in lightning speed. The church fathers speculate that the angels were probably created before any of the material uh, universe was created in Genesis 1.1, when it says in the Bible, in the beginning God created heaven and earth, that is, the invisible and the visible. And the, um, and the angels are of the invisible world. Other fathers say that they were created on the first day of creation when God said, and let there be light, and there was light, them being beings of light. And God being light of light would understandably create beings of light. Because they are beings of light and can travel long distances in an instant, they are able to collect and analyze events, findings, and facts quickly, making them much more knowledgeable than us humans. Unlike our weak and careless, misguided spirits, the angelic spirits are known for their sharp awareness and keen ability to reason. Their general name, angels, is derived from the Greek, Greek word angelos, which we all know, and that word simply means messenger. That is, their title depicts their function, which is basically to minister to God's goodwill, not their own will. To minister to God's will. They did at a time, have a free will when they had the choice to consent or choice to oppose God's plan. Once they've made their decision, their choice would remain either loyal to God or it would remain that they were unloyal to God forever. Although they are very knowledgeable, much more so than we are, due to their com comprehension and speed, they are not omniscient. That is, they do not know everything. If not for the message or the task given to them, the angels would not be able to know the hidden things of God. His plan and his divine will is a mystery, a deep mystery to all kinds of angels, fallen or not, especially the mystery of God's salvation, which was revealed to us today in the gospel for the first time ever. Let's read how St. Peter equates the inquiry of the prophets to the angels regarding the day of salvation. St. Peter says, of this salvation, the prophets have inquired and searched carefully, searching of what or what manner of time the Spirit of Christ was indicating of the suffering of Christ and the glories that follow after. These are the things which now have been reported to you through those who preach the gospel, things angels desired to look into. The angels did not know, but they were desiring to look into this mystery. Before Adam and Eve fell in the beginning of time, the relationship ties between the angels and the humans, human beings was actually lovely. It was cute. The angels 
and man together. Imagine this with me. Angels praised God for his creation. He created the earth, the skies, the colorful varieties of flowers, the trees, the numerous types of animals, the birds. And they praised God even more when man was created. They were enamored by their, their countenance. Although they are made of flesh, somewhat like the animals and the trees, but they have a spirit created in God's image and likeness. And as the angels were accustomed to praising God for his great divine beauty, so was man, offering similar praise to God for his goodness, long-suffering and his great mercy that endures forever. And moreover, when man praised God, all of him being created as a priest over all of the created things, all of the creation praised God and offered blessing. The sun, the moon, the stars, the trees, the rivers, the oceans, the birds, the sky, the fish in the sea, and all the things that walk in the land and all that swim in the seas. All of them praised God when man praised God. All blessed him, meaning that they witnessed to God's good glory. What a beautiful scene. Angels praising God alongside their newfound brother or friend, Adam. And it is the picture that the church has always been trying to emulate in its liturgies and worship, teaching us in the beginning of every prayer, we begin the prayer by saying, let us praise with the angels saying, glory to God in the highest, peace on earth and goodwill towards men. And in the conclusion of every prayer, we request say, to God saying, surround us by your holy angels, that by their array, array we may be guided and guarded to attain the unity of faith and the comprehension of your imperceptible and infinite glory. So praise is another specific angelic characteristic that we have adopted and we try to emulate. Unfortunately, this most beautiful scene was abruptly disrupted with the quick fall of man. It was a devastating tragedy when man willfully chose to side with the disobedient one. The scene which was peaceful and controlled became chaotic and dim. Imagine the angels grieving and sad at the sight of their friend and choir member being expelled from the Garden of Eden. It is as if they lost a younger brother. Anxious about his fate and wellness, they presented many requests to God. And the good Lord would console them, reassuring the angels, saying, Yes, I will return him. Um, but then they would say, But Lord, we heard you telling them, that the day that you eat of this tree, you shall surely die. The Lord may be, imagine this with me, understanding their concern. Being a good leader, he delegated some of the angels to protect Adam and Eve and their children. Man did not require protection nor assistance from their friends, the angels, prior to the fall. Sin weakened man. Adam's life lost its luster and beauty, forfeiting God's likeness. Daily trials and burdens became the normal. Every day, the angels continue waiting with concerned anticipation for Adam's return. 930 years later, Adam laid on the ground, motionless and lifeless. Lord, Adam, your beautiful creation, Adam, that you created in your image and likeness, is dead. The Lord would say, didn't I tell you, I assure you, that I will bring him back? Yes, Lord, but now his human body is dead and decomposed, and now his human spirit is locked up deep in the dungeons, so far away that we can't even sense his presence as we did in the past. Years, decades, centuries passed, the Lord occasionally revealing bits and pieces of his plan of salvation. The Abraham-Isaac event when Isaac comes back alive, and then Abraham saying, 
uh, or our Lord uh, Jesus Christ saying, And Abraham, your father, rejoiced to see the day that he saw it and he was glad. Later on, he would reveal some signs through the Ark of Covenant and Moses and, the, and uh, Aaron's rod that budded without watering, then the temple and the sacrifices of the lambs. But all of these were shadows, shadows of the things to come, difficult to comprehend. Today, though, that day when the prophecies are all fulfilled in the hidden secret of salvation, that until this day were only known to God, they have been revealed. Revealed to who? To an angel. For who is there that will know the mind of God except God himself? The Lord chose Gabriel, the name meaning strength of God, to inform him of the details of the message. He had to tell Gabriel the address, exactly where to go, who to go to, and what to say. If God didn't tell Gabriel those three things, Gabriel wouldn't have known. He had to learn the message, and he had to memorize it. And when he was told, you will go and find a, a virgin in the city of Nazareth of Galilee, and you will tell her, Hail to you, O you, full of grace. And he would do so, maybe out of his excitement, realizing this is the moment of salvation that all of the angels have been waiting to. He wanted maybe to run quickly. I just can imagine. I can't believe it. This is the day. And he wants to go quickly. And then the Lord saying, wait, what if she asks you a question and says, how will this be? And the angel will say, you're right, Lord. I've never seen this happen. So what should I say? If God did not tell him what to say and how to say it and where to go and how to go, he wouldn't have known. And you will tell her, the power of the Most High will overshadow you and the Holy Spirit will come upon you, and you will conceive in your womb a son, and this son is the Son of God. Gabriel was chosen to deliver the greatest message known to mankind, and because of the magnitude of that message, he deserves honor. Honor is equal to the role which that person played in the plan of salvation. The greater the message, the greater the honor. Gabriel spread the news of the glad tidings, I don't know, out of his excitement, he probably went with the other angels that Mary accepted. Mary accepted. He, she could have, you know, she has a choice. She could have said, no, thank you. Mary accepted was the beginning of the conception in her womb. Out of his uttermost joy, he probably told the, and shared with the other angels. And the angels, it says, and the Lord sent the cherubim and the, his powers to protect St. Mary. And from there on, as St. John's Gospel would say, from this moment on, you will see angels descending and ascending and serving. Um, see the, uh, Behold, from here on you shall see heavens open and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. Now, the angels have been descending and ascending since Adam's fall, but they were not seen facilitating God's salvation plan for each one of us. The angels are assisting in God's salvation. Now you will see them. The whole angelic choir are our friends. They support us. They intercede on our behalf, are always praying for our well-being. And to each person, 
was sent a guardian angel assigned. Like in Matthew's Gospel, the Lord says, See that you do not despise one of these little children, for I tell you that in heaven their angel always beholds my face, the face of my Father who is in heaven. Their angel, their guardian angel, you could say. And there's an angel of this day, and there's an angel dedicated to the liturgy. And, there's, and the priest of the church in the book of Revelation is called the angel of that church. And the deacons wear white in the sense that we are exemplifying angels and we are praising God as angels. Angels are continuously encouraging us on our journey unto salvation where one day we may once again both enjoy praising God together. The less your eyes are meditative, I'm sorry, the more your eyes are meditative on heavenly things and less on material things, the more evident angels and their activity will be made evident. And glory be to God forever. Amen. <laughs>